Hi and welcome back to the Art Bystander. My name is Roland Philip Kretschmar and uh, very happy um, in this episode I have Camilla Esmaili with me. Um, hi Camilla. Hi Roland, thank you for having me. Great to have you with me on the podcast. You are the founder of Latili Camilla, which is an art advisory and collection management firm based in Paris and Dubai. Uh, specializing in modern and contemporary art, particularly from the Middle East and North Africa. And this is obviously what we will uh, talk a lot about today. Um, and you contribute significantly to the development uh, of major art collections in the Middle East and France, managing over you know, 2000 pieces <clears throat> and catering to top art collectors worldwide, but also working towards public sector. Um, and um, Camilla, you will obviously be able to expand on this, but you were born and raised in Paris. Uh, and I, I will be curious to discuss a bit more about your background and how you kind of went into um, the Middle Eastern, uh, Arabic, uh, kind of North African art scene. Um, but you have also worked, uh, to my understanding, in the luxuries uh, sector um, and across various fields. So, you know, I'm very, very happy to have you uh, on this show, Camilla. And you are in Dubai as we record this, right? Yes, absolutely. I'm here in Dubai during the Arts Dubai season. And anyone in the arts world who is not there right now is greatly missed because it's very exciting. It's an art fair that really... Uh, caters to a lot of underrepresented markets uh, in Africa, in Southeast Asia, um, and, 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 and it's all there. So not only there is the Middle Eastern art scene, which includes the Turkish, Iranian, Arabic, uh, and North Africa, uh, but also it caters to Southeast Asia and... Uh, and Africa and and all these underrepresented nations and it's also a very affordable art fair. So you, there is a positioning for our Dubai that you can grab a piece from five hundred euro. One could start with an edition, and of course it goes with a higher price point. But this is the positioning of the fair, which is interesting. Very interesting. Okay, let's get back to that um, a bit later. But Camelia, I'm always curious to get to know my guests a bit personally. <laughs> so um, sure. expand a little bit on your background. Um, well, Roland, my mother came in, in Paris from Iran um, a bit before the Iranian revolution to study art and urbanism at uh, the university and then the Iranian revolution happened so she stayed in Paris and then the war happened so she was totally staying over there and this is where I'm born and I grew up so she met my father and and I grew up in Paris so I'm born and grew up in Paris and I went to university to study later language and then I study a luxury master business management and uh, and then I I quit university and I went to I went in Dubai actually I came in Dubai to be the assistant curator of a very famous art curator from Iran mm -hmm. called Feridun Av which is currently exhibiting his collection in the Jamil Art Center in Dubai which is a first big private art museum. Uh, owned by a Saudi gentleman, mm -hmm. and which now opened a branch, by the way, in Saudi. 
So this uh, gentleman, Fredon Av, is like John R. Midler in the West. So a collector, an artist, but also I would say an influencer between East and and between the West and and East, because in the 80s. He was very active in the New York art scene. He was befriended with Andy Warhol, mm. Robert Rosenberg. Uh, and then when he was back in Europe with Cy Twombly, when he became super friend like, and had a friendship over 30 years. So there is an influence. And he went in Iran and he got a strong influence over the young generation of artists, which highly respect him and his opinion, like an art critic, art historian. So I was his art assistant art curator for almost a year in Dubai. But Camilla, how did you get that, uh, that job? Well, it was uh, actually it was very interesting because, you know, sometimes chance encounters. I was in Paris in the, mm. in the house of a, of a friend, which, which I saw two paintings, which was very intricate. And it happened that actually it was not painting, it was photographs, that these two photographs mm. happened to be by this mm -hmm. gentleman. And it was at the house of a very famous screenwriter in, Fa in France called Jean-Claude Carrière, which, which is a disruptor mm -hmm. in, the, in, the, in, the, in the playwright industry. And, uh, and then, yeah, so it happens and a friend of mine called and said, oh, you remember these two photographs we saw at the house? Well, he's opening a gallery in a very interesting place called Dubai. And there is a very interesting mm -hmm. place in Dubai called the Old Town. And, and he's opening a gallery there. Would you, would you join him for one exhibition? I said, sure, because it was my university, mm. you know, how intermediary here. Uh, how you call vacation? I say, yeah, mm -hmm. well, my parents would be definitely would say yes, because it's a Kia Rostami show. And, in, and they would say yes. So we were happy on the relationship we had together for this month, for this exhibition of Abbas Kiarostami, the famous Iranian uh, filmmaker. And he was exhibiting mm -hmm. for the first time the photographs. And then I stayed for a famous Iranian calligrapher, very collected in the Middle East, called uh, Charles Hossein Zenderudi, which has a foot in Paris as well. And then for another artist called Malik Enaini. And then I, it happens that after that, a collector came to me when I quit. I mean, I quit. It was supposed for me to be an intermediary time. Uh, who came to me, he said, oh, if you can go in Iran and just when you're going in Iran before going to France, if you can collect some art for me, if you can buy these works for me, that would be very lovely. So he insisted a lot, and I thought it was maybe unpolite if I declined. So I was like, well, yeah, Iran is very near to the UAE, to the United Arab Emirates. So I said, before going to France, I'll definitely just go and say hi. I have some cousin over there, some aunties. I went there, and I dedicated a few days just to find a few artists that he mentioned. So I went straight to a coffee shop that I know a lot of artists were hanging out, and I just asked the bar, um, the barman, <laughs> do you know these artists? And he was like, yeah, of mm. course, these are my friends. And actually, me and my wife, we are artists, so I just asked him if I can visit the studio of him and his wife and also met this artist that I was looking for. 
he said yes we went and and this happens from there so i just had at the end i went to a graphic studio owned by my cousin which is very known and i was like do you have a more you know uh, old old-fashioned guy also list to give me so i end up to be in 2008 i think yeah 2007 or 8 I visited almost like 30 artist studio of what happens to be some of the most prominent name of the Iranian art scene, which mm. happens to be a big rise, which happens to be in the rise suddenly in the auction, in the market, in the Middle East, because everything was being made in Dubai. And the, and some of the biggest trace records of, of the auction house were being made with the Iranian art scene mm. first, mm. somehow. So it happened to be there at the right time, wow. frankly. Interesting. Uh, By chance. Interesting story. I feel like I'm, I'm traveling with you. <laughs> so that's... So um, just to, uh, for my understanding, why is the Iranian art scene so um, dominant uh, in that sense? Well, you know, Iran was from from the well. You, the United Arab Emirates, is a huge trading platform in the world, and his at that moment in time, his largest trading partner was Iran. So this is very natural that the Iranian art scene came first on a trading platform, you know. And a lot of Iranian collectors which were based there were heavily supported, supporting the auction, the artist, and were very excited about that because uh, collecting, uh, you know, uh, collecting contemporary and modern art actually was was very new in the sense that the market, there was no auction house like in Europe or America that was there. So 2006, if I'm not wrong, or five, Christie's happens to be there and really was making history with, with, um, with, uh, with a lot of artists from, with actually artists from the Middle Eastern art scene. Iran came first as um, in, in the artist's name, but it was soon catched up, like two years after it was catched up by, by Arab mm -hmm. art heavily. So you had a first record by an Arab female artist, for Nancy Nazian, and it was uh, which broke a two million dollar record for a masterpiece, and then all the um, how you call that there was all a lot of museum which was being built in Abu Dhabi, which was a strong institutional disruptor worldwide by suddenly bringing. Um, by suddenly buying the rights of museum to have satellites in the region to establish uh, the Emirates as a cultural hub in the region, which was actually badly needed. So they filled an incredible gap. And Arab art scene began in the rise with a lot of Egyptian modern art being super collected and Syrian modern art being super collected, Iraqi modern art being heavily collected. And then you had the wake up of the Emirati arts in modern art with the like of Hassan Sharif, which were making history because 
because they were pioneers in the 60s, 70s, making art in the United Arab Emirates. And suddenly they had collectors, you know, and suddenly they had uh, interest to be collected in the, to have retrospective, to be, they were the buy now. So the whole ecosystem was being built with Dubai as a trading platform because of the auction house and catering to these segmented countries that forged the Middle East. And then you had the institutional partner, which was Abu Dhabi. And now since three years, we are seeing Saudi Arabia um, waking up by, um, by opening up, sorry, by, uh, with all the Diria Biennale, which caters to the first Islamic art biennale in the world and garner a lot of attention from uh, fantastic curators that comes and really travel to see that on Alula, which is like Desert X, but in the heritage of Saudi Arabia. So you see that that came on a chronological aspect, but and it's it's such a fascinating, energetic kind of scene as well. I mean, it's um, it, it it's kind of its own ecosystem, and it's uh, obviously connected to the global art scene but still it is um it, it's also hyper local in a way um but what what do, what do you think um makes the let's say i don't even know how to summarize this but like let's say middle eastern arabic uh, art scene what, what does it what makes it stand out from the global art scene well it's a very good question roland because middle eastern art scene is heavily collected in the middle east <laughs> And uh, when I'm, for example, with French collector, European collector, they really cater more to the European heritage or what they call the mainstream uh, art scene. But what makes um, what makes Middle Eastern modern and contemporary art stands out is first it was never collected before. That's the number one. So it was not presented in major art collections. So now today you have major art collectors from this region that has, that like really have a data storage of art from the Middle East in a very chronological aspect. Some are really going like strong advocate of either Arab arts like Sultan al-Rasemi, uh, which is a Sharjah-based art collector and really advocate Arab art uh, worldwide with his Bajil Art Foundation. You have, for example, uh, Mohammed Aframi, which is an Iranian art collector based in Dubai that caters that collects heavily Iranian modern and contemporary art and has a strong focus on the youth and the energetic. Uh, in this collection and fully digitalize the collection to be accessible worldwide through the uh, uh, to the, the platform called III. Um, uh, yeah, and you have the Fajem Foundation, which caters to the mid to collected heavily the full history of Middle Eastern art through its Islamic art heritage to up to now. So Middle East means Iranian, Turkish, Lebanese. Syrian, Iraqi, um, you know, all uh, in North Africa with the Casablanca School and, and all those things, plus, you know, catering to an international art culture. So you, you really have 
what's make it stand out, sorry, to come back to your question, is that first it was never being collected worldwide. Um, then there is also a very abstract way so you can, it's you know the market is very segmented and the artists from this region because it's a big region are very segmented so for example emirati artists let's be more precise are very conceptual and you can see a strong new generation of artists like jumal ja Sharjah based artists let's see Fal said um, dubai based artists they are mostly born between 95 to sorry, 85 to 95, strongly conceptual, super installation based, super abstract, very, very interesting and experimental. For example, this is the Emirati contemporary art. And in the modern Emirati contemporary art, sorry, in the Emirati modern art, you have, for example, the same conceptual heritage that you can see in the work of Hassan Sharif, which is the pivotal artist of the UAE, uh, very fluxus and Arte Povera mixed together on a large-scale monumental art piece. For example, let's go, the Iranian modern and contemporary art is more, uh, you know, the, the contemporary artists are more intricate by details, by narration, storytelling, for example, in Iran was was big in poetry, in, in manuscripts, so it's something that you can see back within the art. Uh, with, with 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 modern artists and contemporary from Shishegaran to uh, to Arash Nazari, you can you can you can see that very apparent, or you can see more abstract form like Marcos Gregorian that almost looks super arte povera, but. So it's very, you know, wide. Uh, Lebanese artist Etel Adnan, you can see abstract forms coming from poetry. Uh, to Chant Avedition, sorry, um, to Paul Giragosian, which still has a figurative style, but the colors, you can see it's Lebanon, for example. They're very pastel, you know. Lebanese artists use a lot of pastel um, colors. Moroccan artists with the Casablanca school use a lot of flashy colors, very 70s. So you can see it's very segmented. Wow. <laughs> You're like an encyclopedia so I... of Middle Eastern art, Camilla, and it's fascinating to <laughs> to 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 learn uh, about an art scene I'm clearly not um, knowledgeable about, uh, and I don't know about my listeners, but hopefully they will feel this as fascinating <laughs> as I am. Um, but I just want to go back a bit in time again here, Camilla, because um, you you kind of explain how you got to Dubai initially, but then how did your own kind of art advisory business uh, ventures evolve from there? Yeah, sorry, I haven't answered your question. Um, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed, that's uh, what what happened is that with this client, I mean, this this person who asked me to, to, to go and, and see what was happening in Iran for him, when I came back in the United Arab Emirates, uh, we had a meeting and as I said, I really just wanted to be polite and not decline the invitation because it was very insisting. And there is a, you know, the Iranian culture, sometimes it's like the Japanese culture. So, you know, when someone is a bit like older than you, you're like, uh, maybe it's really not nice, you know, to, to, you know, it's maybe the insistence means that it's serious. So yeah, yeah. 
I mean, wh what I want to tell you, it was like out of my league to be, uh, to, to be in the, I mean, I was not even considering selling the works. I have to tell you, I just did it out of politeness. That's really important topic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but how did you find the buyers? <laughs> yes, yeah, so I went into the meeting as per his, I said, you know what, actually more than the artists that you were looking for, which at that time was uh, Rukni Hayrizade and Ramin Hayrizade, which became some of the most collected contemporary art artists from the region, especially during, uh, during, during a couple of years, they were like very, very in demand, I have to say. They are very much now too, but they were like crazily in demand. So it's like more than this, and, and mm. the galleries were not yet signing them up. So it was just at the verge. So it was like the artists that you look, they were that, but also I found some others that maybe you like. So he checked them all and he bought them all. So... Mm. Suddenly, I was like, okay, so if you buy them all, it's a lot of money. So it was like, okay, so let's write a check because I want them all. I was like, well, I don't have a company here. He said, no problem. <laughs> you can just open a company very quickly. It's very trade friendly, the UAE. I was like, mm -hmm. really? So I just went to the company agency that you could open a company in one day, basically. Mm, wow. yeah. So I opened the company and I just uh, check, put the check in my account. So, and when I put the check in my account, I had to open a trade license, a company. So that's how I opened the art advisory <laughs> company. <laughs> Does it make sense? And well, yeah, it makes sense, but it's also quite interesting. <laughs> you know, I, I think a lot of listeners would laugh listening to this. That, Absolutely. You know, it's a certain di Serendipity also yes. in terms of yes, serendipity coincidence and luck. Yeah. From the Prince of <clears throat> Serendip from Sri Lanka, actually from yeah. three Persian prince uh, yeah. tale in Serendip. So that's total serendipity and that's very funny. And I think that's very transparent to tell it that way. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> but I, I love it. And um, from Thank there, you kind of evolved um, gradually, I guess. Um, yes. So did you start, did you at some point start to form an idea about what you wanted to specialize in? Or did that kind of evolve organically? Or Well, Roland, that's a very good question. But this is a very sophisticated thing. So I was like 24 years old. Mm. I'm now almost 39, so I'm just 17 years into now this art advisor business. Mm. But um, I went straight, then then suddenly again, <laughs> again serendipity, uh, mm. a friend of mine, again by insistence. I th actually, a lot of things happen in my life with insistence of other people insist that okay you did that for that collector we can you help us do that with our pakistani art collection mm. it's like i'm totally clueless about what's happening in pakistan but uh, but i was like why not let's see and i delve into the market of pakistani art because there, um, there is a lot of Pakistani art collector and Indian art collector based in Dubai. And the artists from India and Pakistan are heavily represented. So in the modern and contemporary Middle Eastern art, 
there is also Pakistani and Indian art, the, you know, mm-hmm. they were there in the Islamic art heritage. So they're also there in the contemporary art area. So it's, they are heavily there. And I started buying Pakistani arts from, for this collection, which I found in the UAE and some from Lahore and Islamabad. And mm-hmm. then he was heavily collecting Indian art, but more modern master like Marbul Fida Hussein and Francis Newton Souza and all that. So the chunk of his collection was very modern. And he had some very exciting Pakistani. So I started adding a lot of Pakistani and Indian artists to his collection. That was the second collection I collaborated. And actually, I was paid to learn my job. Does it make sense? <laughs> it makes sense, yeah. And, and um, <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a fascinating life story, definitely. So... Um, you are based in both Paris and Dubai, if I understand it right. Yes, I'm actually yeah. based in Paris now, and I yes. travel in the UAE every two months. I stay okay. mm-hmm. a couple of weeks, and I cater to my clients, my projects that I had there, and, uh, and new projects that are coming in. So. Mm. So how do you feel that the response um, in, is in Europe or elsewhere in the world? I mean, the Americas or, or Far East Asia, China or Japan in regards to Middle Eastern art. Is there a, um, a deeper understanding, more open mindedness or how has that evolved? Well, it's a very good question, Roland, because thanks to the markets that has rise, uh, economically, but also institutionally. And all the attention that Middle Eastern art and the market of the trade in Dubai and the institution in Abu Dhabi and now in Saudi has gone to the international art scene, they open up their collecting, the museum open their collections to include more artists from this part of the world. And this mm-hmm. is fascinating. Besides the museums that are being built in Abu Dhabi, like Guggenheim, like the Louvre that has been built and that mm-hmm. are collecting art and doing major retrospective from artists from the region or because of the Guggenheim partnership in New York that really handles major retrospectives from artists from the region like Monir Farman Farmayan, which had a retrospective, like I think one of the first female artist in the world who had a retrospective, you know, of her work mm-hmm. on on that scale in New York in, in the Guggenheim. Mm-hmm. So this happens, she's an artist from the Middle East and she's heavily collected. Her work is mirror-based. She's like a heavy uh, modern art mastodont. And, mm. um, and yeah, so this helps to open up museum collection worldwide to have artist Etel Adnan, you can see the Lebanese artist uh, that, uh, that, that has a very fascinating body of work and um, you know she, she had she, she was, she was uh, I mean Ansel Rist Obrich was, was a huge supporter of her work uh, but, but you know her work was heavily present in Biennale and Documenta and, and all that and now she's heavily collected in in the museum industry, you know, from, from hmm. the US and from Europe. 
same as who else, for example, uh, for example, Samia Halevi, which is a Palestinian artist and uh, a major artist from the region, had a retrospective in the Sharjah Art Museum just that finished a few months ago. She mm -hmm. was the first uh, female artist to be an associate professor at Yale, like in the yeah. 70s. Mm -hmm. So now there is a lot of counter narrative that are being built of what are the female artists that contributed to the modern mainstream art history. This is being rewritten. So this is amazing. You know, just this. Mm -hmm. um, who are the modern artists that really countered in different movements in, in the world of of whatever Arte Povera, of whatever the Cubism, whatever the surrealism with the Egyptian uh, modern artist, or, you know, all this, there are now contributors curate in a curatorial and highly scientific level that are rewriting that. So all the curators of museums in the world not only take note, but understand that this was not written, so they need to be back in the mainstream, connected to the different art movements that are today mainstream and, and you know, collected in museum and private sector. Hmm. Can I ask you, <clears throat> I mean, there might be some prejudice uh, coming from listeners uh, in regards to uh, the Middle East in terms of uh, being a, f a female, you know, a woman working in 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 kind of work in in the art scene etc is that something that you would kind of recognize has been a challenge or is that uh, just a prejudice and what is your reflection on on being a woman working in the middle east and and, yeah. and uh, yeah well um interesting question uh thank you roland the yeah indeed the first the female uh the, the mid, because of the orientalist history that the west knows very well all this orientalist painting that's the first thing in the middle eastern arts that the west got to know mm -hmm. i would say uh the female is very fantasized yeah and so the iconography of the female there is like a colonial aspect also to it so besides mm -hmm. the male female dominance there is also this west east you know dominance that yeah. is a bit uh has uh, the orientalist painting made it a bit quintessential on that so you can see a lot of contemporary artists like um laya isayedi uh shirin neshat uh that use the woman iconography into their work either be it a bit political or a bit more orientalist and that played with it and they're highly collectible or even Halim al-Karim from Iraq which do a fantastic body of work with this female iconography going into blurness and that speaks of so many languages his work so it's incredible but um, but this female iconography is there it's definitely there, it's played, but when you go, it's the surface of it, you know. You have few artists that really works with that, you can see that a lot of artists are concerned with that, uh, but it's, you know, it's the surface. When you go beneath, mm. you find a whole world which has 
which is totally uh, free of that iconography or becomes mm -hmm. so blurred it's not even a concern um but and what about you i mean sorry for interrupting here camilla but what about your own position as you know a woman operating in in the art scene well it's a it's a very uh, regular way of being like uh, like i would say in europe frankly that, mm. uh, no difference mm. I never so that's that's my point it's there's a lot of prejudice coming from the west towards towards uh, you know the east and and the middle east right yes obviously uh, we are in a more uh, patriarchal part of the world with more um, with different set of value in terms of in terms of women actually what what can you expect mm. what can yeah. you accept of a woman uh, either be in a matrimonial situation or in a societal uh, grander situation um, but at the end of the day for example the the the, the, the woman in in Europe in the west is a, is an overexposed trophy you know mm -hmm. um it's a, the values are very free, working women, this and that. So it's totally free of that. Uh, yeah, it's totally, it, there is a dichotomy indeed of, the, of values. Mm. But because of this globalization, values are being blurred, you know. <laughs> yes. um, things are being blurred. But the heritage remained that a woman in the Middle East acts and should like act more ladylike, I would say, in a sense of... Mm -hmm. Um, in the West, you know, the, the, the woman is a trophy, you know, is a trophy, is an overexposed, you know, concept, I would say, mm. Mm. Uh, that is, uh, everyone is, is fine that this concept be more aggressive or, you know, more assertive, let's say, um, mm -hmm. more, uh, more, I don't like to use the word independent, but uh, because it's not the case, it's more assertive, you know, in the way that even on the matrimonial aspect rather than in the societal aspect. But here the values are different and I feel the women are more calm. So as a concept, again, it's not... Mm -hmm. uh, in The Asian woman is a more, you know... It's a, there is a concept which is very yeah it's a it's a different concept so a different uh, set of values <laughs> yeah and i'm not going to go deeper into this um topic because i i think that is maybe not the place in this podcast but i was just curious to understand your your own experience and you also you know shared your 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 view also on the Kind of the yeah. female uh, representation in art, um, but if we if we still keep ourselves in the um, art, the, the, well, the art world and also the okay. habits of doing business in the Middle East. So, what would you say is the is the biggest difference in in doing business in the Middle East uh, if you compare it to doing business in the West, for example? Um, you know, um, in the Middle East, in well, Middle East, it's really where I'm based now, where, where I do, where I conducted my business over the years in Dubai, um, from Dubai, you have uh, different countries. So 
you also for example have russian mm-hmm. ukrainian um and russian speaking word which is very present so you do business we can you can do business with a lot of different nationalities you know yes it's not one culture so you learn about the culture of all the neighboring countries of the of the uae i mean that's has been my case i've been in touch with indian and pakistani culture uh through by being by doing business with indian and pakistani people and by learning about their culture because culture connects so when you go dive in the, when you go deep into the culture of every country and in my case all most of the countries in the middle east and near the middle east um you learn terribly about their fears their trauma you know that's important i was visiting a russian artist studio um two days ago fantastic artist timofey kolesnikov uh in dubai and um and he just said one word that still is in my head he says you know museums are important because they are holders of people's trauma mm. so at the time of that a lot of party artists are talking about oh are we really need do we really need a gallery representation to grow our work or no 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 this and that you know having that from an artist that was very powerful hmm. do you do you feel uh, that it's um and this might be a difficult question for you to answer or not let's see but do you feel that it's hard for you to kind of bypass um the typical questions about freedom of speech and human rights that are obviously linked to many parts of the Middle East and also Asia and African continent? Well, I understand what you mean, but for getting a rapid economic growth in any part of the world at any point of time in history, uh, there is a, um, a cheaper working um there is a you know from 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 countries that are more affordable to to get uh, to get work so you obviously have a lot of um workers from the indian subcontinent but also bangladesh uh that comes and build the build build the you know build the country um very fast but i'm not a you know <laughs> human rights uh, uh, specialist to really answer the question in deep, but I understand that the West has pinpointed this question many times. But I can tell you that when I'm in France and I miss something in the United Arab Emirates, which is really home to me, uh, when I miss terribly something, I also and mainly miss these people, you know, because these people they are very present in the fabric of society from opening the door to going to the taxi to i don't know you want to buy a sandwich somewhere they're there in the fabric philippines and all that they're very and just by their generosity by the being by how they are they are greatly missed i have to tell you yeah yeah and, so, and listen i don't want this to move into a political discussion but i have had guests on the on the podcast um in the past um, that have uh, both been kind of operating 
in the Middle East or Africa or uh, China and obviously topics such as democracy, freedom of speech, yeah. uh, you know, polit- political art uh, comes up. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm not expecting you to take a position in this, but of course I, I am yeah. curious because for, for, for me, art is one of the symbols of, of uh, democracies um, that Absolutely. you have through art the opportunity to express exactly what you want about whoever you want and um, uh, regardless of you know what, what, what we think um, I think it, it is let's say a fact that many of these countries uh, are struggling with um, not being dem- democracies <laughs> so obviously art in uh, as um, a symbol for democracy I mean it becomes quite a um, challenging discussion I to have. you yeah, I hear you. But for example, you know, political art in Iran, you had it just also before uh, the revolution. Mm-hmm. You had it by like very avant-garde artists that were feeling that that uh, that that role, very political art, like I was saying, the 60s, 70s. Mm-hmm. Here you have so again Sultan al Rasemi. Uh, which in Instagram and Twitter is very advo- is advocating in the public place his uh, his you know everything that he has in his mind as a political commentator and he is mm. not afraid of speaking. You mm. can follow his account on Twitter. He really shaped a lot of um, a lot of opinion, but he's forging a new opinions mm. and he has a lot of um, authority on what he says. And he is heavily interested in political art in his collection. Mm-hmm. So every artist from this region which has made something about a political movement or doing something. So I really invite you to check his collection mm-hmm. and understand more. But uh, that's a fantastic snapshot in time of politics and art intertwined together. And he's a scholar mm-hmm. and he teach and he, I mean, he's a strong advocate in, in that in that sense. Uh, the other collection I refer to, the Mohamed Aframi collection uh, of Iranian art, is also a capture of the youth also mm-hmm. in the collection. But then artists speak, of course, of the daily life and they all mention, I mean, I, it's, it's, of course there is some arts that are being censored maybe you know when things are not in rule of the country for example uh, maybe a nudity will not be present in the way that europe presents nudity in publicly in the middle east you know and because mm. it may be offensive so mm. between offensive and you know censure there is still a way like i remember my a friend of mine and a yoga teacher i would say uh, which I'm very close. He came to Paris and he visit, and he's from India, north of India. He came in France and he said, please bring me to the Louvre. I brought him to the Louvre. And he said to me, why are there so many nudes? So it was the first time that this question strikes me, like why there are so many nudes? That's true. Everyone is naked in the museum. <laughs> that's, you know, that's a topic that sometimes we think it's, oh, it's uh, freedom. I would say, yes, of course, maybe it's a representation, but 
I never have never seen in my 17 years art business an an artist that was not talking his truth. No, and listen, I you know I of course understand that um, we live in a big world with different systems. Roland, but yeah. I see yeah. Roland. I have to tell you, but I see in in the West. I mean, I see retrospectives of artists sometimes being cancelled, for example. Yeah, yeah, know? sure, that happens, of course. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think the main censor of the art world is the art world itself, because there mm. is a dichotomy in our art markets that museums are representing the mm. very top uh, layers of the art world also, because mm. they are linked to top tier galleries. I think that's the real censor is there because they are tied economically. Yeah. No, I understand that, and that is for me the real censor. The rest is a bit poetry and fantasy and things of of West and East and Asia and and Africa, you know. Yeah. So if if you would, um, because you, I think you said that you've been kind of seventeen years uh, ish working in in this industry um, with fascinating stories. I think we could go Thank on you. and speak about this for hours. <laughs> um, but uh, if you would kind of um, predict a bit, what do you think will happen uh, in the next ten years in in this very fascinating space of the market that you're operating in? Oh, rapid grow, rapid grow, bigger collector, uh, bigger collector, um, more. C- uh, what I would say actually, it's that in the ten years, in the next ten years, there would be curators that will take a strong leap to connect some of the main artists from this part of the world and as i said in this fragmented histories in this fragmented parallel histories to connect it to the mainstream art history you know to the mainstream Mm. art history Mm. from the different movement this would be the most significant step to be like when you see uh you know when you go to pompidou museum next to Arte Povera, Cubism, Surrealism, with the main artists of the West and America, I mean, America and Europe, you see artists from Middle East being connected to the mainstream. Because this is important to go mainstream, not to be just a thematic art scene. Like Chinese art, collect- like Chinese art collector, they went in, they were collected by European collector, Uli Sik, for example, which I met in Poland, uh, started collecting Chinese art in the 70s because no one collected the Chinese art and he was an ambassador uh, and he wanted to put some contemporary arts in his world and then it became fashionable in the West to collect Chinese art so I have uh, a, a, a very good friend and, and collector in Paris, Sylvain Lévy which collects uh, chip, which collects with his wife um, uh, Chinese art and you know, and started a long time ago but this became there in the west so it's very normal now to collect chinese art when you are in europe you understand you have chinese artists and all sure, that but to see major art collectors from europe and america i don't know add uh major artists from 
the Middle East, that would be a significant achievement. And mm. of course, you will have more museum, you will have more collection, you will have more private foundation, and also who will who will collect and show art from the, let's say, international art scene heavily represented in their foundation. So this mm. mixed match would be very interesting. And the Russia... Russian, Ukrainian culture that is very present, the Indian, Pakistani culture very present, which is there, which belongs to there. All these mix, all these under-narratives of the Russian art history is very presented thanks to Malevich and, and all this Russian avant-garde. But, you know, this contemporary artist, there is a gap that will be filled here hmm. because Europe so is not catering to that too much. No, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and maybe as a final question, if, if uh, I have listeners um, to this uh, conversation that are themselves gallerists, curators, collect or, uh, you know, work working commercially in the art scene, and um, they might f feel tempted to operate more in the Middle East, what would be your piece of advice? Um, well, do your study carefully. Uh, don't expect to come in the Middle East and sell to, you know, your whole gallery program because of some stereotypes that you may have heard of big headlines in the news. Uh, it's uh, even blue chip galleries can fail very easily by opening here mm. because they will fail to understand what the collectors are looking for, what really would be an engaging programming to the gallery rosters, to the mix that they should have, like I would say, like a product assortment at the end of the day. Mm. Uh, what they should be, you know, they should not come and say, oh, we're the biggest there. And so obviously we just have another retail, flagship retail and mm. it's nice. No, they, if they don't cater to to what the market is needs, means a mix of good artists from the Middle East, modern and contemporary depending on the identity of the person what they want to specialize in and all that uh mix of good indian pakistani and um and and southeast and south a southeast asia like bangladesh thailand also something the narrative is there uh having some cool african art can also add to that because there is a narrative being built over there um, with, there is a fantastic gallery called Effie Gallery that opens this first flagships gallery in Dubai just because they say no London, no New York, we want mm -hmm. Dubai because the narrative of these under, underrated artists are, is being made here, the history of that on a scientific level. So do your study, do your study, don't come like, oh, this is big. No, you need to talk, have, you know, really have uh, cater to to what collectors need and they don't need what the what, what you're doing in the west because if they want to shop what you're having they go to basel and they all go to basel <laughs> they all shop in major galleries as well besides of their collecting activities of the middle east you know yeah so uh, and maybe a one last piece of advice from me at least is uh, if you want to enter the middle east and art market i want a piece of advice call camelia because you are obviously yes, extremely thanks. knowledgeable thanks, experienced <laughs> well so, it, it's uh, you know uh, i i forgot to mention that i i curated um the jumeirah creekside art collection mm -hmm. which is uh jumeirah is the largest uh, um, hotel operator in the region yes and 
the the collection is owned by Dubai Duty Free, and mm -hmm. it was the first time that they they put we we put an art collection just catering to. We collected only emerging artists from the region and established and we put it in this art hotel so also mm -hmm. if you are in the region don't hesitate to go there because you can see museum quality work just in the lobby in a very unpretentious way and this was just to fill the gap between the commercial and the museum sector to have something super lifestyle but also to learn about us from the middle east That's and there fantastic. are almost 500 pieces in the collection that's fantastic. From Kader Atia to Halim Al Karim to Talamadani, like you, Nabil Nahas and Lara Baladi, you know, it's very intricate. They're all scientific artists mm. that are collected in museums and that. So it's nice, and you can just walk in. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic, Camilla. We we love art that is available for for everyone. And, it's a bit uh, like the Dolder Grand in Zurich, you know. Okay, perfect. Yes, yeah, that's yeah. fantastic. But listen, Camilla, um, as I said previously, I could go on for hours listening to your stories. Um, it, it's almost like, you know, you you have um, you see, you have seventeen years. That's a lot. But when speaking to you, it feels like you have seventy years of experience. It's it's uh, <laughs> no, and, and I take it as a compliment. Thank you, Roland. <laughs> yes. I adore your blog and your your what you what you share in your account about the collector and the lifestyle because it's important. It's very intertwined. So it's the private sectors and the public sector. It's very intertwined. So you're doing a great job. Thank you, Camilia. So uh, with that said, this was um, the art bystander with Camilia Esmaili, who is an art advisor specialist uh, in the Middle Eastern art scene. Um, and it was a fascinating discussion. Thank you so much, Camilia. Thank and, you for having me. Yes, and all the um, links um, to uh, Camilia's uh, art handle and to uh, some of the mentioned artists and uh, you know hotels and museums will be linked in the show notes. This was the Art Bystander. Thank you. Thank you.